go. Another brand new edition of At Bet Parks Presents Stick to Hockey Live. And San Filippo is in the bullpen. And he's got shit to say. <laughs> so do I. There's a lot to talk about in this episode. Flyers drafted Cutter Gauthier. Flyers acquired Tony D'Angelo. Needless to say, that'll be a spicy topic for a lot of people. And there's still a lot more work to be done. They just had a pick here uh, a few minutes ago in the third round. 69th overall. I can't remember the player off the top of my head. But I'm here watching it as well in the home studio. Uh, you got to get on the Bet Parks app because it is fantastic. I was on the phone with our, our friend of the show, Colin Thompson, the other day, who plays for the Carolina Panthers. And as I'm on the phone with him, he goes, oh, my God, my phone's blowing up. We just acquired Baker Mayfield. So I'm like, oh, Baker Mayfield. So I went on the Bet Parks app. I'm like, I wonder how that's going to affect the futures or the win totals. Those are the kind of things you can bet this time of year. You can bet baseball. You can bet player performances. You can bet runs, pitcher performances, all that. You can also bet futures. So check it out. It's easy to navigate, fun to navigate, easier to win than ever before. So check out the Bet Parks app and use the promo code Jason750. Jason750. That'll get you a $750 risk free bet. New and existing users, terms and conditions to apply. So again, promo code Jason750. And you get that risk-free bet with the all-new BetParks app. So download it today. You do need to be over 21 and present in Pennsylvania. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Let's get to them right now from CrossingBroad.com. Snow the Goalie podcast and much more. Friend of the show, it's Anthony Sanfilippo. What's going on, Amp? Hey, Jay. How's it going, my friend? Uh, nothing to talk about today. <laughs> ah, kind of a crazy morning. So, so what's crazy for me is, you know, uh, you know, we had the draft yesterday, obviously, and, you know, we're all uh, you know, sitting there on the edge of our seats, waiting to see what, what the Flyers do. Do they move the pick? Do they, you know, whatever, they, you know, they move up, move down, you know, they make a trade for, for somebody. Are they going to trade for Johnny Gaudreau's rights? Like all these things we're, we're waiting for. And then they stand pat and draft a kid. And then we hold, host the show. You know, we did our, uh, we did a Snow the, uh, Snow the Goalie live last night and we, you know, we talked about it and we talked about this trade that happened today is a potential thing that that was uh, on the radar. Um, and then, you know, I'm like, all right, well, I, I, we did enough yesterday. I can, I can wait till, you know, tomorrow night to really kind of catch up on the hockey stuff again. And I go and teach a class. I teach a class um, at my alma mater uh, down at St. Joe's prep uh, in the summer. And I'm like, ah, I'm in the middle of class and I'm in class and my, you know, I got my phone on silent, but I have my watch on and it is just, I could just feel it buzzing. Like non-stop. And I'm like, You're oh, trying man. to concentrate. You know something oh, blew man. up. What is happening? And I know some I know something is happening, right? And yeah. then all of a sudden, then yeah, then I look and I look between the two. I have a five-minute break between periods. And I look and I say, Oh no, not right now. This couldn't have waited. This could have yeah. waited like two hours and we would have been okay. Uh um, wait for the great, school great. bell. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Uh, well, I know. Like, I'll tell you what I'm going to do first, right out of the hop here. This prick on Twitter, Evan Atkins, he's a he's a total fucking idiot, and he tweet he's tweeting people assuming that they're right wingers. So I'll tell you what, Evan, because you had some snide remarks to say, and you didn't apologize for your comment to me. You had some snide remarks to say about the show today. We're going to block you, so you can't watch the show. I'll unblock you after. So there you go. You want to be a prick? I can be a prick. All right? I've had enough. I'm fighting back, Ant. <laughs> you want to be a prick? I'm going to be a prick. Uh, no, you know what? I'll, I'll tell you what. Normally, normally I just let these guys go. Whatever they say, they say. And, you know, I, sometimes I poke back. Um, as far as Nobody hockey, knows I got, my, I, my political leanings, though. I never talk about it publicly. So you, right. that dude does not know my political leanings. Yeah, He's making I, assumptions. 
Yeah, well, that's the thing. I I don't like when they make assumptions, and you know, I, I don't want to get off topic here. But yeah, but the other day, I, I I found that I found myself in the same boat as you for the first time. Like I was, I wrote a story. Of, it had nothing to do with hockey. It was about baseball, and it was about a play that took place in a Phillies game, and it involved Odubel Herrera. And I was absolving him of a mistake that everybody was assuming that he was making. Yeah. In, in, on one specific play in one specific game, and it turned into that. You know, I don't like women. I uh, I, oh. I support I support people who beat their wives. It's um, the leap, I might right? do the same. I must do the same thing myself. And it's like, where where are you? Who are these people? Yeah. What are they? And I don't. I just don't understand where people come from and feel like that they can just say this kind of stuff and on, on Twitter. It just blows me away. It you really know why? Is. Because it's anonymous. And yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. what Twitter has shown us is there's a lot of assholes in the world. And what it also showed us is that. You can't fix dumb. Yeah. <laughs> you can't fix it. No, there's right. a lot of really good people on Twitter, but there's a lot of trash on Twitter, too. By yeah. the way, Kaplan was – Thomas uh, messaged in and said Kaplan was the Flyers picket number 69. I don't know. It's not Gabe Kapler. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> well, uh, wasn't he, he's another American kid, right? Yeah, from the USNTDP. Yeah, yeah. No, I think he's big going to, body, I think, too. I think he's going to be you, if I'm not mistaken. He is, correct? Yeah, yeah. That's an so you got one draft pick going to BC, the other one going to BU. That's good. Play with Jay O'Brien. There you go. Um, let's start with the trade first. We'll cut back to Cutter Gauthier and what lies ahead and Johnny Gaudreau and the Alex DeBrinket trade uh, to Ottawa, all that stuff. But let's start with the what's hot off the press. We just got the email, that the official email and the press release that the Flyers have acquired Tony D'Angelo. They give up, uh, let's see here, a fourth-round pick, 101st overall in this draft. They give up a third round pick in next year's draft. So they don't have a second or a third next year. Uh, the no, lowest. They have, the they have an extra. They do have a third. They, yeah, they, they have, have extra, three they third. Had an, they had an extra third, didn't they? They have. Two, they had actually two extra thirds because okay. they gave up the lowest of the three third round picks. Oh, right, there you go. Okay, yeah. And they gave up uh, a second round pick in 2024 uh, in exchange for Tony D'Angelo, who they looks like they've extended uh, to a two year contract around five million dollars AAV. Yep. Um, Ant, your first impressions of the deal. Obviously, he's a divisive player, although he didn't have any issues in Carolina with Rob Brindamore. I imagine he won't have any issues with a guy like John Tortorella. But what's your, what's your thoughts on the deal uh, from a flashpoint? Um, I mean, I, I'm okay with it. I, I, I know everybody's going to sit here and say, well, gee, last summer, let's see. Chuck Fletcher had a trade, a second-round pick to get rid of an offensive defenseman in Shane Gosses bear that was worth four and a half million dollars a year. And now he traded another second round pick to bring in another offensive defenseman who scores, you know, that, that number of points at $5 million a year, you know, and say, Oh, that's, that's great management of the team. And it's, it's two different things. Um, first of all, I think D'Angelo is a better all around defenseman than, than Gosses bear. I think he's a better defensive defenseman. Than Gosses Bear is. I mean, I know he had an issue with New York. I know he had, you know, a problem up there um, and and just didn't really work out for him. But here's a kid who has wanted to play here. He's from Sewell, New Jersey. He's wanted to be a flyer since he was little. I think you look at a kid like this who goes and shows and has a nice season in Carolina last year and goes and shows that he can play at this level without being a problem. And then wants to come and play for the Flyers and play at his best for the Flyers. I think that's that's somebody you you should be happy to bring in. Now, 
That motivation, I, 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 I agree with you, by the way, real quick. That yeah. motivation means something to me. It does. It should. It should mean something. Yeah. That being said, I'm not certain he's a top pair guy. Bingo. <laughs> that's where that's where I that's where I go. Eh. And and the thing of it is, because well, that's a shutdown role too. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. I think he's more of a second pair guy. And so the question now becomes: Is well, are you expecting him to play with Provorov? Because well, obviously, first and foremost, I guess we should we should really get this out of the way. Yeah. You're paying Tony D'Angelo five million dollars. You're paying Ristolainen five million dollars. You're paying Provorov six million dollars. You got uh, Sanheim coming up that you're going to have to pay him. Ryan Ellis is going on long term injury. Yeah, <laughs> like he yeah. is not. This is that's they're allocating his five million dollar plus cap hit. Yes, to Tony D'Angelo for, for the next two years. Yes, for sure, hundred percent. He's not playing. Okay, yeah. so I think his career is over. Probably, probably is. I I kind of feel the same way. I, I I know he's not going to be ready for the start of the season. I don't think he's playing at least through the first half of the year and probably not all year and could be for his career. Okay. Yeah. That's kind of where I, I was told and where it was at. Um, but I don't look at D'Angelo as a first pair guy. And since he's right hand shot, you really don't have that kind of flexibility to move guys around. Like you want him playing on the right side. Yeah. And you have Ristolainen, who's also not a first pair guy. Exactly. I, I don't, I don't know where it fit. I like, so like, I don't know if he fits that need. I think it's more of. Cause he's not a third pair guy and you're not yeah. paying a third pair guy five mil. Yeah. He's like kind yet. of a, a tweener here. Maybe yeah. what they're hoping is that consistency in partner and Provorov's defensive abilities will be, you know, Provorov's good when he has a, a good passer with him. Yeah. A guy who can get the puck up the ice. And we well, saw it with Cam York even as a left-handed guy. Well, uh, D'Angelo, um, D'Angelo is a good passer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's a deaf passer, and you know he's a guy that can contribute offensively. So maybe th- that's the hope. And maybe there was no. I mean, if you're going to pay a top pairing right side defenseman, go out and find one. It's not going to be five mil, right? Most likely, right? If you're going to get a really good one. But D- but I agree. D'Angelo doesn't make me go. Oh, that top pairing's great. Because I don't think he's not a shutdown guy on that right side, and you need that on your top pair. Yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it, you know, he's had an interesting career to this point. I mean, oh. when you think about it, you know, you get drafted first over, you know, not first overall, but first 19th round. 19th overall, yeah. Uh, 19th overall by Tampa. Yeah, and Steve Eiserman. Uh, right. So, so, so there's obvious belief in talent there. Like, Eiserman's not drafted a kid unless he, you know, sees, sees some talent there. But he doesn't hold on to him long, right? He trades him to, to Arizona um, to get. Derek Stapan and Antti Ranta. It's not like he traded them for stars. He traded them for two, you know, usable pieces, two decent players. Um, then he ends up um, – uh, no, no, I'm sorry. He trades them to Arizona for, for a second-round pick. Uh, yeah. Then they go from Arizona to the Rangers. That's for the Antti Ranta and Derek Stepan. I'm yeah. sorry. That was, that was the other way around. I had it backwards. So um, – and then, then he's – of course, he had the blow-up in in uh, the locker room there. I think it was with uh, – Georgiev. Georgiev, right? Yeah. Um, and they, that gets him, you know, basically booted off, off the Rangers. Yeah. Uh, he gets signs with Carolina. And then he has the reclamation year, you know? I mean, I mean, but again, 1920, before the pandemic, he was having a really good year with the Rangers. Yeah. Uh, he's put up some really good numbers in the league. I mean, he definitely has. Yeah. I mean, as a defenseman, he played 64 games this year, 10 goals, 41 assists, 51 points. 
in that 1920 season, 68 regular season games, 53 points, 15 yeah. goals, 38 assists. You're not talking about a guy that can't be productive, but there's baggage that comes with them, man. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, people are still commenting about the Kate Smith statue. And obviously, Tony D'Angelo is a Republican and has been very outward about it, although he hasn't in the last year. And the divisiveness of politics in our country right now is going to drive that storyline. And Flyer fans who are divided as they come as well, <laughs> like politics in this country, are going to grab onto this. And that's going to be a byproduct of this signing, at least for a period of time. Oh, for sure. For sure. It's going to be it, he's going to be a little bit of a um, polarizing player, at least at the beginning. Yeah. And People are going to say, I'm not going to watch them ever again. I'm not going to a game because you signed them. We're going to get all that. Yeah. Um, you're going to get that at the beginning. But yep. if he comes in and if he comes in, keeps his head down, plays hard and 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 fits into this Tortorella system and, and really produces. Well, then guess what? It, that'll change. People, yeah. people will accept them. People will, people will, you know, go along with it. But yeah, I mean, my, my concern is, is not, it's not as much that, I mean, I, you know, fans can think what fans want to think. I, 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 I watch a player on the ice, right? Yeah. I'm not worried about, what I'm not worried about what his, what he's tweeting politically afterwards. Like, it, you know, whether I agree or disagree, doesn't make a difference to me. You know what I'm saying? Like that kind of stuff doesn't matter. Um, uh, what matters is how you play. And if you play Listen, well, most of most of people's favorite players, a lot of times have political beliefs that are totally opposite of theirs. They just don't know it. They don't know it. <laughs> yeah. Or the other thing, the other thing is, too. And this was this was again, I mentioned that Herrera thing. And I, and I, I think of this, too, is like there have been so many beloved athletes in this town who really aren't that good guys. No. And and fans don't know any better. Because yeah. they're really good at keeping keeping the fact that they're not good guys private, right? I mean, so yeah, you know, so there are, and I'm not going to throw any names out there, but I mean, you could you could figure out who you know in certain yeah. sports who we're talking about. They're just not good people, um, and, and so you, but the fans don't know. So basically, what you're you're taking here is fans are taking what little information they have about someone off ice, yeah, and and using that as a measuring stick for whether or not they should like the player as a player. And I, I, and I can't do that. I can't, I just have to look, the team's putting them out there and it's my job to write about the team and talk about the team and analyze the team. I'm going to talk about this player as a player. And I'm not going to talk about him as a right wing conservative. I'm not going to talk about him as somebody who fights with his teammates, you know, uh, in the locker room. Like, I, I mean, maybe that has, maybe that's a little bit more uh, important, I guess, but but the fact of the matter is, is that the outside stuff does not matter when you're really looking on the ice. I, I just, but my concern is not that. My concern is, is that he's, he's not a top pair guy. And I don't, I don't know if that's, well, does this make them better? Yes. Does it make them really good? No. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, he doesn't give you that top pair lockdown. Like if Ellis was healthy. You have the best of both worlds. He's a guy that can defend at a top pair level, and he's a guy that can also get the puck up the ice, contribute offensively at a top pair level. D'Angelo has all the offensive elements of a top pairing guy, but not the defensive elements. I think that's fair to say. I mean, if you go back to Niskanen, you know, Niskanen could defend at a top pair level. You go back to that year when Niskanen was here, Ant. I mean, top lines against the Flyers, you know, the Pasternak line, had four points with Bergeron and Marchand against the Flyers that year. Right. Ovechkin went, took a bagel against the Flyers that year. 
because they could defend top parent, top lines of the opposition. And to me, that's a huge part of what the game is, you know, because you're going to get a good top line every night and you got to be on the, on the ball to be able to defend it. Can, is he up to that task to right. face the top line of the opposition every night in, in matchups? Yeah. It's, I mean, that's, that's what it's going to come down to. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, yeah, yeah, there was interest last year. I know for a fact that they were interested in him last year. Uh, they just couldn't make it, couldn't make it work. Um, but, it's a good uh, thing he didn't come here last year, by the way. Yeah, it would have been it would have been ugly if he came. If yeah, he came here last. I mean, he went to Carolina and he was under a Rod Brindamore and a really good team and a lot of structure. Now he's going to come here in a different scenario with John Tortorella and a lot of structure and a lot of accountability. So, just so you know, um, for those who are more of analytically inclined, yeah, um, amongst defensemen with at least eight hundred minutes played last year. Um, so I think that that, let me see what the grand total number of players that is, it looks like it's 170. So 170 defensemen in the league that played at least 800 minutes. I just, I just picked a random number out of my head, uh, and, and just looked at that, looked it up. Uh, Tony D'Angelo ranked 23rd in Corsi percentage at 54.83. It's yeah. pretty good. Yeah. It's yeah, pretty that, good. Yeah. I, look, he'll generate offense. No doubt. This team needs help with that. And I guess maybe the thought here, too, is Tortorella is going to have to get total buy-in defensively. And that defensively doesn't mean defense. It means all five guys. Yeah. So it's got to be a five-man unit defending, and that's something they haven't been good at. I think right. the Flyers' D's caught a lot of shit um, for sometimes for what the Flyers' D wasn't accountable for. Yeah. <laughs> and that well, was- so, so, so anyway, so, but, 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 but I, the reason, and you, and you mentioned it, well, yeah, he's a good offensive player. But here's what I want to, here's what I really wanted to point out about him more than anything. So, like, you look at a player, right, Kale McCarr just won the Norris Trophy, okay? And we know why. He was, best defense, was the best defenseman in hockey this year. There's no doubt about it. His Corsi percentage is only slightly, well, less than a, less than, uh, a tenth of a point better um, than, uh, I'm sorry, less than uh, nine tenths of a point better than, than D'Angelo. He's at 55.7. Mm-hmm. But mostly because he had so many more offensive chances. So they got the, the Colorado got off 1,615 shots when McCarr was on the ice. He faced they faced 1,284. You look at D'Angelo, he got off. Carolina got off 1,089, so significantly less shots gotten off. Shots against when he was on the ice, 897. Wow, that's pretty impressive, right? I mean, so yeah. that's you know that's you're, you're talking about. I mean, it's a, it's a good disparity in your. So he can favor. play with structure. Yeah, and he plays with strong. So maybe there is something there that's you know a little bit more underlying that we're not seeing because you know we think of him in a different capacity. But there's something there. There might be something there. Now, again, that's I, a good point. I, it doesn't it doesn't suddenly make me believe he's a top pair guy. No, but at the same the time, the eye test doesn't show that. Right at the same time, eh, maybe there's something a little bit there that shows you that he could maybe get by there, even if he's not really that guy. Hmm. So maybe Ian Anderson in the analytics department had some information that he's a better defender than we thought, analytically speaking. And maybe with Provorov, it works. Yeah, that's the other part that how those two that's going to be a fascinating development as we get into camp in the season is what's the chemistry of those two players? Yeah, right. What's the chemistry? You know, we saw chemistry last year with Ristolainen and Sanheim, you know, York now is properly slotted 
on the left side on the third pair. And he's a power play guy. And you just got to find that right side third pairing guy at, at this point. And maybe you look to a guy like Justin Braun to bring back into that role. That's the type you want, like a veteran yeah. guy, right? Yeah, I mean, that's not I'm, – I'm okay with bringing Brauner back for that role. Yeah. Uh, also because you know that if needed, not that he's – again, not that he's – you want him in these spots, but if needed, he's the kind of guy that can move up. For a game or two. It just can't games. be there long term, yeah. If you need an injury replacement or something like that, you could put Braun in those kind of positions and not feel like you're being, you know, dominated. Per se. Yeah. Um, so I got a tweet from Vernon Coyle. He said, what do you think about the D'Angelo move? He said, I like D'Angelo, but this is a steep price. Fletcher does it again, overpaying. Did he overpay here, Ant? I don't know. I mean, because I, I mean the, I look the at- thing that softens it is, is that picks in three different drafts. Right. It's three different drafts. You had an extra pick in the third round next year. Um, you had two extra picks in the third round next year, and you gave up the lowest of those extra third rounders. Um, you know, the the fourth rounder is this year, correct? Yeah, in this draft right? of 2022. So it's a fourth, a fourth round pick in a draft that's not a deep draft. Yeah. So it's that's okay. And you got a seven in return. So it's really, I mean, you're just, you know, you're moving, moving down, you know, a bunch of spots. But that's okay. Whatever. Um the second round pick is the one everybody's going to talk about that's in 24, but let's keep in mind that they picked up an extra first in 24. So it's not like they're short picks in 24. They just, they, they have two ones and no two. So in, in essence, they're kind of where they should be right. You know, with, with, with those picks, I mean, I don't, is it probably too much to pay for Tony D'Angelo? Yeah, but only slightly. Like I'm not going to sit here and go, Oh my God, what an awful overpay by Chuck Fletcher. It's a it's yeah. a it's a slight overpay, but not anything that I would sit here and, and say you know oh, we really really needed to hang on to those picks. I, yeah, I, I especially when you have three first three third rounders in that one draft. Yeah, I mean, what are you going to do with it? I mean, you know, it's three. Yeah, and how I mean, many third rounders? Point, yeah, how many third rounders make it? Um, I think it's about twelve percent. Right in the third saying. round, sixty-five percent of first rounders. Yeah. I believe it's about 22% in second round and yeah. third rounders is about 10 or 12%. Yeah. Make it I mean, to the so, NHL. So you you just you just gave up a lottery ticket. Yeah. Well, some people go, "Well, you could have got Braden Point in the third round. You could have got uh, Brad Marchand in the third round." Yeah. <laughs> you know. And you could. Sure. Sure but, you can. But I mean, that's what I'm saying. They're, those guys are more lottery tickets than anything else. So Exactly. Yeah, I, yeah, I I don't know. I, I I'm not a big believer in hoarding draft. I'm also not a big believer in giving giving up a ton of draft picks. I'm also not I don't think that you need to hoard them per se. Yeah. So you got to use them for as equity. Yeah. I mean, look, can you get, here's the other thing. You can always get picks back down the road. So by training future draft picks, you sit there and go, Oh man, they traded a two in 24. Okay. Could they get that two back at some point in the next two years? Yeah. Sure. Sure. You can get it back in some other deal. You know, you can keep bumping it down the road, you know, and then maybe, maybe you find a way to get a two back in 24, but you trade a two in 25 or 26, Yeah. you know, and then you can sit there, sit there and say, well, look, if you really look at it this way, that's the pick that they ended up giving up for D'Angelo all those years ago. Does it really bother you then? I mean, I, you know, yeah. that's, there, there's ways of playing that game. And I, I, you know, so I don't really, I don't really think it's that bad of an overpay. I don't. Lou Papa messaged in and he said, is D'Angelo going to be able to behave himself? Well, he did last year yeah. under Rod Brindamore, who like Rod Brindamore is like, dude, none of that shit's going to happen here. Yeah. <laughs> like it's going to be real clear in the meeting right before. 
we, they signed him. Like, that's not going to fly here. I'm not going to put up with it. Not even a hint of it. I imagine Tortorella is going to approach it in the same manner. Yeah, and, and not only that, do you really want to run the risk of having a bad experience in your hometown? No. You don't want to tarnish. You don't want to shit at home. Right. That's why right. I think players don't like to come play at home a lot of times because they right. don't want to they don't want to cross the streams and ruin their hometown by going there and being, you know, a piece of crap. Yeah. But I mean, ne- nevertheless, I mean, so I think, I think from that perspective, I think you'll, you'll get the good Tony. Um, but the interesting thing is, and we haven't even touched on this, Jay is, you know, Tony and, and Johnny are pretty close. Very close. Let's go um, there now. And Johnny Gaudreau, <laughs> because yeah. there's a lot of chatter that one of the reasons maybe they didn't move on to Brinkett other than the price and they wanted to keep the fifth overall pick was that they're going to allocate that somewhere else. And you go, well, well, he's older. He's five years older. I see your shoulders kind of tore out from hitting Russ Joy over the head with his commentary on this yeah. the hot take crap he's been spewing. I'll call him out. I don't give a shit. Mm-hmm. Um, but here's the difference. If you sign Gaudreau, who is older and is going to be basically be the same money – if you signed him, you definitely have control of Goudreau. You wouldn't have control of Debrinket. You could lose him for nothing. Right. That's the difference. And, What's and, the latest on Goudreau that you're hearing? Well, and, and I'm gonna, I'll give you the latest in just a sec. Um, what I want to just add on to what you just said was, keep in mind, Chicago probably got less than they thought they were going to get for Debrinket. And the real because of that risk for that. Well, because I think that it was kind of presented by the kid's agent that they were going to be looking for big, big money in two years. And he and, wants to go UFA to get the market. And he wants to hit it, right? He wants to hit UFA. That's when the cap rises too, by the way. Right, exactly. The cap goes <laughs> up that year, right? And that's what he, and he's going to want to hit it. And the, his QO, his qualifying offer next year is $9 million, Yeah. Right? So if you're going to pay a qualifying offer of $9 million and then he hits free agency after that and he wants another raise, you're talking about you have to make sure you have 10 and a half. Exactly. At least. For, for six, seven years for him. And, and you hand all the leverage to the agent who's going, you just traded all these picks to get him. I know you have to keep him. Right. So he's got all the hand, and you're going to lose in that negotiation because of yeah. it. Yeah, exactly. Um, but as for the latest on Johnny, um, I know what Calgary offered uh, was nine and a half. Um, eight years? I don't know if they went to the full eight. Okay. may have. I, I don't know that. I don't know about the term. But I okay. do know that it was nine and a half a year. Um, and Saint, sounds like he's not giving it, not going to take it. Yeah. Um, in which case, he's going to hit free agency, uh, assuming the Flyers don't try and work out a trade for his rights prior to prior to free agency starting next Thursday. Um, and if that's the case, you know, he thinks he can get a little bit more elsewhere or about the same elsewhere in, in, in a more desirable location. Yeah, somewhere where he wants to be without the tax situation in Alberta. Well, that's, yeah, let's also keep in mind this. He's a He's got a very young child, young family, right? His wife's also from this area. Um, if you're going to start, go somewhere where you want to settle down with a family and your family's from this area and her family's from this area, do you want to be in Calgary, Alberta for the next eight years? 
That's far with, away with a young <laughs> with a young child. Yeah. Or do you want them? You want your grandparent? You know, the grandparents to be around to see them and whatever, yeah. and all experience all that. Like that's part of it. That doesn't necessarily lock in the Good Flyers. Point. Doesn't yeah. lock in the fuck. Jersey in play too. Jerseys in play. The Rangers, the Islanders. I mean, any of those teams. Really, Washington. I mean, you could you could pick any of these teams and yeah. just have your have the family be within two hours drive, and, and, yep. and it would be okay. So I mean, it's not like it's a guarantee for Philadelphia, but I think that that's kind of more of what he's thinking. And, and what he'd like to do. And so um, I, I wouldn't be surprised, Jay, if they don't make a move to trade for his rights and then try and sign him to give him that eighth year. Because that's one thing I know yeah. a lot of people don't realize. In hockey, you can give an eighth year on a contract to a player to who is who is under contract with you. Yeah. As an extension. It's a way to try and keep So you him. can do that. You can trade for his rights. Yes. And then and basically give, and then give him an eighth year. year. Okay. Still give the eighth year. It, it does not go away. Okay, yeah. um, so the Flyers would have that uh, have that ability. Will they do that? I don't know. Um, but they that would certainly give them an opportunity to give him an, a longer term. Um, and Terms the big thing for players too. By the way, it really is. It really yeah. is. Term matters more than the actual dollars. Um, yep. But you can even make you can even have the player make more money on longer term, but a less and have it be hit. less less of a cap hit. Yeah, for the team, so it's a win-win situation. Yeah. So and then you have a situation, and you can buy a player out at the end of it, or right. you can always move that money of a player that's right. shot at the end. Right. And, and now the, with this being the last year of the, or we think it's going to be the last year of the escrow reimbursements off of COVID, um, and that the cap's going to start going up again next year, and then the year after, big time, I think is when really two years from now is when it's really going to jump. Um, you could get back to starting to front-load contracts. Yeah, which is something that was a, a thing that the teams were getting away from because players didn't want to take the money up front when it was all tied into escrow, right? They wanted the, yeah. they wanted more money later, and so some of these longer term deals in the last few years have had more money on the back end. You can kind of get back to doing the big money up front, all the bonuses each year, blah blah blah, and that back end be, you know, next real to money much less. Yeah, yeah. Um, and just pull that cap hit, the, the cap number down. So I think that that's another that's another advantage that the Flyers would have. So you bring it, you know, Goudreau's from the area. You're bringing in a friend of his now who's from the area. You know, Hayes is here. Hey, yeah, Hayes is here. Uh, Johnny, you know, I from what from someone I talked to who knows him personally uh, said that he would one day like to play for Tortorella. This was before Tortorella was hired here. I want to make that clear that this was not something that was said after the hire came in, right? But it was before Tortorell came in. He says, I've heard, you know, the, the 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 quote I got secondhand, but the quote I got secondhand was Johnny said, you know, I've heard Tortorella is a sick coach to play for. I'd love to play for him before the end of my career. That wow. was before Tortorella signed on with the Flyers. So that's another, I think that's another plus. Um, he flourished in a system that's not too dissimilar from Tortorella's. You know, out there in, in Calgary, I think there's a lot of things pointing in the in the direction of Johnny Gaudreau signing with the Flyers. I'm pretty confident that it's going to happen uh, at this point, whether or not it's through via trade and sign or just outright in free agency. Okay, what's that number look like? Is it around nine and a half? It might, yeah, I think so. I, maybe it's a little bit more, like nine seven five. Um, you know, pushing ten. I mean, maybe uh-huh. he has a couple years where he's over ten. Yeah, but the cap it, number is just under. Uh, yeah, and then on the back end, it's around six real real dollars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's what I think you're looking at. 
Okay, so if they were to sign Johnny Gaudreau, they've got to move some money out. Yeah. What What's the latest you're hearing on the ability to move money out? James Van Riemsdyk's obviously a candidate there. Uh, we've talked about the the a potential buyout or moving of Oscar Lindblom. That's three million more dollars. Where's the status of where they're going to be able to gain some cap space here? Well, I think those are the two primary things, obviously, you want to do. Although I think that Lindblom can be used slightly differently now, Jay. With Ellis having to probably going on LTIR, um, maybe you don't buy out Lindblom, but instead you waive Lindblom because no one, it's very likely no one will take on his contract at $3 million for a fourth line player. Yeah. And so then he clears waivers. You could put him in the minors for that first day. And then when you have to put Ellis onto the LTIR, that then you can bring Lindblom back and then you can do whatever you want with him at that point. And then you can yeah. buy him out. Just to be then, cap compliant. Right. Just to be cap compliant, use his $3 million. That's half of Ellis's money. Yeah. So him and a couple guys who might be on two-way contracts, all of a sudden you got 5 million of the 6.2 that you need to kind of, you know, get you through. Shift around. Right. Um, so I don't think you need to do as much as you think uh, to make it work other, outside of those, those two moves. But could you potentially move, you know, a, a guy like Konechny? I mean, that's really the only other name I think that you would even consider at this point because you're not moving Provorov. I doubt you're moving Sanheim. Um, I, I, like, who else could you potentially move and, and get some a little, a little bit of cap relief? Konechny is the only one that kind of makes sense because you're, you're deep in the right wing. Um, that would be the only other one I would think about. And there's uh, a lot of, lot yeah. of inquiries, a lot of – people calling about Konechny because he is a guy that had three straight years of 24 goals. And in that last year, he did it in 69 games, which was a 30 goal pace. And some people look at him, maybe he just needs a little bit of a change of scenery. And he's, he's well thought of around the league. Uh, Is he the the likely guy? And what could the return be like for him? Is it more like you're getting pit? You're not taking another NHL player for Konechny per se. You're taking equity, maybe picks, because you don't want to add to your cap and you want to kind of well, subtract that money. Let me ask you a question. Let's just say, let's say you're right. Let's say that it's not a player for player. Let's say it's not a hockey deal. And let's say you trade Konechny and Travis Konechny gets you a two and a three. Does that, oh, does that make I'm you feel a little bit better about, does that make you feel a little bit better about the Angelo? No, it doesn't. <laughs> well, I'm just <laughs> saying, you're getting a couple of the picks back that you gave up for D'Angelo. It's yeah, it's, but I, I need more than that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because this is a proven guy in the NHL. It's done well. Look, he hasn't had a good la- – since the bubble has not been great, although he hit, he did finish last year pretty strong. Yeah. But, you know, I think a lot of people are kind of, you know, kind of shitting on TK a little bit uh, for the player a one, that – A one and a three? Now, yeah, now you're talking about one. Yeah, absolutely. That's different. <laughs> That's the big yeah. thing. And where's the one? Is the one in 2023? Probably not. Probably not. So it's, it, you get another one in 2024? Yeah. So you have three ones in 2024. That's a lot yeah. of, I mean, that that's something that maybe you're looking at because, you know, he, he's a good player. I mean, tw- three 24 goal seasons in a row, he was an all-star before the bubble. Yeah. So I, I think people have this notion that he is shit. He's been shit and he didn't develop at the NHL. That's, that's wrong. Yeah. No, he he's did. just had a stumble in his development here. Yeah. Yeah, like he's the kind of guy that I'd like to. See. I'd, I'd really, honestly like to see play with Torts. Me too. I think I thought he picked up a bigger role just when Giroux was gone last year because of the vacuum of leadership. Yeah, I really like to see how he plays in this system. So, like, I, 
I would I would try not to trade him in all honesty. But if you had to, if there was if there was a player that you could move some salary out, get some good return, and 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 not kill the team, uh, you know, as far as on ice production is concerned, he would be the guy. Yeah. Is there any, you know, a team like Boston needs some help? Is it, is there a player like Hayes that could, would be available to a team like Boston? For obvious reasons, it's where he's from and, and those kind of things. I know Bergeron's coming back, but they're a team that needs center depth. That's a wow question, Jay. You kind of caught, yeah. me, off, kind of caught me off guard with that one. Um <laughs> Wow. Um, I know Hayes is excited to play for Tortorella, and I know that Tortorella said that he thinks there's more there when it comes to Hayes. Yeah. So it's probably unlikely, but you could shed a lot of money there. Wow. I mean, if Boston was willing to take that contract. Exactly. Then I I, I Sweeney's a gunslinger. Then I say yes, but I was not expecting that. Yeah. (laughs) In all honesty, I really was not. Um, Because they're looking to kind of recoil there in Boston, too. And they need to get by while a couple guys are out. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a little surprised at how things have kind of panned out there, Jay. Um, I, I kind of thought that maybe that, you know, the way things were looking with, you know, firing the coach. And then I thought Bergeron was going to go into retirement. And with the guys being injured and be out and be out for a while, I thought this and is going to be not a question mark. Yeah. I thought this was going to be a Boston reset year. Yeah. You know, maybe you kind of tank it this year, but then you have some guys coming back next year you know, off of those injuries and getting healthy. And then all of a sudden, maybe you end up with one of those top picks and now they're good again. They can re yeah. they could refuel and, you know, overnight almost. Um, so, I mean, that's kind of what I thought was going to happen now. Now I don't know where, you know, what their, what their plan is. I mean, I, yeah, don't do brusque has rescinded his trade request. Yeah. So yeah. You know, a lot of, a lot of moving parts there. Um, the Brinkett, we talked about him a little bit. And look, scored 41 twice in his four-year career, scored 30 another year, 18 the other in a shortened campaign where he only played, I think, 68 games. Um, He ends up in Ottawa. There's some risk there. But let's talk about the Ottawa native, Claude Giroux. Mm. He's going to be going to free agency for the first time. And there's been some chatter that Edmonton is interested. Is Claude interested in going to Edmonton? I don't see it. Me neither. Nor do I see that is well, I'm not surprised that you hear that for Edmonton because I think that they just have a, uh, you know, a mental block when it comes to <laughs> what they, what you need on to win in the Stanley cup playoffs. I mean, yeah, they're about to give Jack Campbell $6 million. They want to just keep adding offense, 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 then defense be damned and goaltending be damned. Yeah. And it's like, no, guys, like you got to work from the back out. <laughs> like yeah, that doesn't work in the playoffs. Yeah. You know, so I, I don't know. I don't think it's I don't think it's a place Giroud would go. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, could he flourish there? You know, if he was playing with those players, maybe. Yeah. But I don't think Imagine I don't think power he goes there. Yeah, I don't think David Dreisaitl and Drew. Yeah, I know. Right. I don't <laughs> I don't think he goes there. I know. I, it's interesting that that the senator's name is now coming back out. Um, that they're deciding to kind of make push in all in a little bit sooner. I, and I think that that's kind of tied to the potential for that new building being built mm-hmm. up there in Ottawa and then, you know, kind of bringing it into the actual city and not, you know, 30 miles outside the city where you have to go to go see, go see them play. Well, there's a new commandant um, too. the owner died. Eugene. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, I think that there's, I think that there's a, you know, a, a, a more of a push now to get good quicker in Ottawa. Mm-hmm. Um, so I could see that happening now. I, at first, I would have said no prior to the DeBrinket trade, but with Ottawa looking like they're kind of pushing to be good sooner rather than later, now I can see Giroux going there. And maybe Boston's the team that sags in that Atlantic division, and there's your yeah. opportunity. Um, yeah. Let's talk about the draft pick, fifth overall pick. Things were kind of falling weird, you know. Slavkowski goes first, and then, you know, Coy's off the board, and boom, Shane Wright drops all the way to four. Seattle grabs him just before the Flyers. First of all, did the Flyers like Shane Wright? So I thought, I mean, like I'm sitting here watching the thing, and I'm saying to myself, if this kid falls to five, you got to take him. Yeah. You just got to. I mean, everyone that I talk, you know, talk to, to compare him to a young Bergeron, like, how do you how do you not how do you yeah. not go get a guy like that? But then you talk to some of the people in the final. I, I was told that the Flyers knew a week ago he wasn't going number one and that he was going to fall. I don't know if they knew he was going to fall to four or if he was going to potentially go further. But I was told if he was there, the Flyers still probably would have taken Gochia. Wow, I think there was a there's a there was a question about his compete level, mm-hmm. and in 2017 they got burned by a very talented player with a lack of compete level. That was basically yeah. the number one overall pick all season until yeah. the draft game in, in Nolan Patrick. Yeah. And I think that that's, that could have been the reason why. Um, so yeah, they were going to, they were going to take Gochi no matter what. Um, so it's, it's crazy. It's crazy, Jay. Like, I mean, I, you know, that would have been, that would have been something. Could you imagine if he would have fallen to another spot oh. and, and the, the crowd would have been like, you know, fan base would be like, holy, holy shit. We could get, you know, Shane Wright, and then they went and took Carter Gauthier anyway. Oh, man. What, this, what would this town have been like? But, yeah. I mean, that's what I heard. I mean, that was like, you know, he could fall to six. He could fall as far as six. Yeah. Um, I like – so here's – I talked to two scouts, not flyer scouts, uh, two amateur scouts, though, um, from other, other places in the league. And the one of them said – and this was the most interesting thing. If we had an opportunity to see him play center – world juniors or you know for the u.s national development team he could have gone top three because that skill set he says i believe that skill set translates i think the flyers were smart thinking outside the box with drafting this kid and moving him to center yeah he said he said that's that's a guy that would that could be a next level type player at at, as a center so that's what chuck fletcher is talking about when he says uh, there's some project elements to this yes yeah, moving but, him into the middle. Yeah, but they he's both, a big boy. But they feel like it could, it could be a difference maker. Yeah. Um. And and, and the scouts said the same thing. He's like, I give him a lot of credit for taking that pick there. Yeah. Because if if in fact he can play the center position, even more that's value. What it's, that's what it's going to be. He's yeah, going to be more valuable. He's be that much more valuable player, and would have gone sooner, had we had the opportunity to see him play center, uh, against similar competition. The release is unbelievable. Yeah, like he can shoot the puck. Um, I mean, thirty-four goals last year. I think in sixty-five games ish for the NTDP. It was his first full year there. Right. Um, I talked to him right after he was drafted, and his mom's from Reading. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. didn't even know that. So, so because- he still got family in the area. Like his aunt lives still lives here. His grandmother's originally from his maternal grandmother's originally from Philly. Yeah. Um, it's interesting if you look at his dad's career, and that, it, it's really kind of funny. Like. 
he's been all over the place. So, you know, his dad played for 15 years in the minors and, you know, he bounced around from city to city. He was all through the Southeast. Uh, I think it was like Louisiana and Kentucky and Pensacola, Florida. Um, he played some like uh, Monk in Moncton and uh, St. John, Newfoundland. And, wow. um, and then he had a quick pit stop. He was in Reading for one year. One year in Reading. And that's probably where he met mom. Yep. And then they went to Sweden. Played in the Swedish Elite League. He was a goaltender. Yeah, and that's where Cutter was born. Cutter was born while Dad was playing in Sweden. He's got the dual citizenship because yeah. of that. And when he moved back to the States, they moved to Arizona. But now he lives in Michigan. <laughs> and now he's going to go to school in Boston. You know, kids all over wow. the place. Like, you don't even well-traveled. Yeah. <laughs> Very well-traveled. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, he boy, he was so excited and great talker. Yeah. You know, it brought me back to 2017. I said this to Brian Smith when we were doing a live stream. I had him on and I said, boy, when he's, his career is over, he could be a broadcaster. Not like the guy in 2017 when I drafted him after he was taken second overall. <laughs> I almost fell asleep during the yeah. interview. Yeah. Uh, big <laughs> big difference. I keep digging on him. Hey, I by the way, did stop. you notice watching the draft last night that Gauthier was the only player like in the top 12 or 13 that was not interviewed by ESPN? Yeah, there, there was one other one too. I can't remember who it was, but I why? I don't know. It was weird. Like they just never went to. They did like they got off the flyers so fast. Yeah, you know they talked about the pick like for you know a minute, and you know Bush weighed in and Weeksy weighed in, and and that was it. And then and then they moved on to the next pick. It was like yeah. all right, here we go, next 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 pick. Yeah, and they never had Gauthier. So yeah, I, I'm not sure why. Like I, I don't because they see they seem to be taking just about everybody, and then all of a sudden they didn't. And yeah. it was the fifth overall pick and a very big media market as well. So, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, we'll see how the pick plays out. You know, I'm not a draft expert. I never claimed to be. Right. I didn't watch a shit ton of national team development program. I've watched some highlights of them, but they're highlights. <laughs> they're not the lowlights. Sometimes I want to see the lowlights of a player. I want to see the mistakes. <laughs> and how they how they respond to them. Yeah, Exactly. And, you know, he's going to go to BC this year. And he said he's only wants to play one year at BC and then light the world on fire. Kid's got confidence, man. Well, and that could be as soon as March. So the other, so the other scout that I talked to said that, that there was a belief by some in his community that he's physically ready to play in the NHL. Wow. This year, like physically he could play in in the league. Got the size and strength and the skating ability. Right. So it wouldn't be surprised Jay, if, you know, finishes up the BC season in March at some point, assuming they don't go, you know, Final Four or whatever. Um, and then sign that ELC, you know, it slides to next year, but then maybe sneak in a handful of games at the Phantoms. Yeah. And well, see, other, see how he looks. And here's the other thing. You know, you look at it, and one of the things about John Tortorella that kind of goes under the radar is his ability as a head coach to give responsibility to young players and let them develop. I mean, you look at Warinsky, like that's a hard one for him because Warinsky's a freewheeler, you know, and doesn't, right. you know, just get kind of wants to play on instinct and look at the player he's become. He would have been a good player no matter who he played under. But one thing about, you know, the, the veteran coaches always get the tag of, oh, they like veteran players. They want Dale Weiss and uh, Yuri Laterra type players because they're predictable but they lack upside and they, and they don't like to play young players. That's not the case with Tortorella. He likes to play young players and he's developed a lot of them over his career. 
It's yeah, yeah. I mean, it's I'm I, I I'm I'm kind of looking forward to it, Jay. I really I really am. I mean, it's it's really it's really going to be an, an interesting thing. Like, you know, I don't want to sound too I don't want to sound confident because I'm not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm, I'm not. I'm not confident. I don't, I don't want to put that out there. I don't want people to think I'm confident in the Flyers. But at the same time, I do think that they're going to be interesting and intriguing. Yeah, I was going to use the word they are intriguing. And you know what, Ant? They matter more now than they did. They do. You have a polarizing figure in D'Angelo. Yeah. And I don't love why that makes people it matter more. I just, I'm just for the hockey part of it, like you are. Yep. And then obviously Tortorella makes the team more intriguing day to day and how that relationship with the media, with the players and all that will, will play out. And if they end up with a guy like Johnny Gaudreau in free agency, geez, then you guys, you have high end talent, 115 points last year for Daryl Sutter. That's not easy to do under Daryl. Correct. Correct. (laughs) Daryl's as staunch as they come. And that's the thing. So then if you have a healthy team, um, and, and you know, you're getting some of these players back, you know, and you're ready to go forward with this, then I say, I say, yeah, this is a team that's interesting and we can get this going and, and see them as a, uh, as a competitive team that could compete for one of those back end playoff spots. Maybe they get it. Maybe they don't, but hell, that's a lot better to be in spot to be in come, you know, March and April than what the hell we endured this year. Yeah, multiple 10 plus game losing streaks. Yeah. Watching AHL players a lot of the times and Hayden Hodgson, <laughs> right. Who was in the East coast league. Yeah, so exactly. Exactly. Um, last thing for you. I know you got to run and we got to run as well. Um, let me ask you about, I know you had a conversation with John Tortorella. I did as well. Yep. Um, you know, you had a one-on-one with him on snow, the goalie. What were your impressions of John? And you know, what, what do you think of, how he's going to handle this situation and what's in front of him here in Philadelphia. I, I thought that he was really, really interesting character. He really was. I mean, I, you know, you get to, you get to know him on a different level when you talk to him like that. Right. And, and I'll, and I'll be honest, you know, we spoke for a bit before we recorded as well. Um, and you really kind of get to know the guy uh, and how, what makes him tick. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And, 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 and from just that conversation, again, I talked to him for, almost an hour that day total um, from that conversation. I, I'm really looking forward to covering him working, you know, around him with him um, and seeing what he can do here, because I think that there's a, there's a possibility that it could work really well for this organization. Yeah. Uh, maybe not first year and maybe it never gets there. Maybe it gets close, but doesn't get there. Because, uh, you know, who knows what his shelf life is ultimately going to be. Is it just the four years and that's it? Um, who knows? But I do think it's going to be an, an interesting time with him behind the bench. And we're going to enjoy him. And I think the fans are going to enjoy him. And I think he's going to make the Flyers relevant again. And that's what's the most important thing. Not even if, if they, you know, become a, a contender for the Stanley Cup under Tortorella. I mean, although that's the, the team's hope. But just be relevant again, yeah. And I think that I think that he can do, and yeah. I, and that's where I that's where I have confidence in Torts. Yeah, and Valerie Camillo actually just wrote an op-ed piece 
I think it was in the Love hockey it. news. Yeah, uh, I know you commented on it about getting reporters back in the locker room and how important that is with a guy like Tortorella. And it's incredibly important because you can get individual information and storylines. Yeah. And, and not only that, we can't let the teams dictate the narrative. Yeah. Really. And in, in all honesty, and that's, you know, that's what they want to do. And that's why when the league kind of, you know, punted it and 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 said, "Oh, we'll let the teams decide whether or not they should open their locker rooms." Each city, because it's different because of COVID, whatever, blah blah blah. Well, immediately the teams, whether they whether no matter what the COVID situation was, they were going to protect their players, and they were just going to say, "No, nope, sorry, can't come in the locker room. Can't come in the locker yep. room. Can't come in the locker room." And we wouldn't have access. And the other, the only access we would have is only as a group, only in like five ten minute spurts, and only in a press conference setting. You can't get any information that way. It's controlled. It's completely controlled by the team. Yeah. Reopening the clubhouse or the locker rooms and 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 uh, both at the practice facility and and um, at the Wells Fargo Center um, and all across hockey gives us the chance to really talk to these guys and and really learn what's making them what you know what's making them tick. What's what how they're feeling about things, and really that kind of that kind of byplay is needed because sometimes that helps a team. Yeah. Sometimes a coach will read something in a, in a story that one of us has written and be like, I didn't know that was going on. I didn't know that, you know, whatever. But And then they address it, right? Yeah. So, I mean, those things do happen. So, I mean, it's all for, it's all for the good of the organization. Not like there's, It's not like there's anything to hide, right? Just come out and talk to us and let's do it the old-fashioned way. It was good back then. Yeah, absolutely. And this was awesome. Thanks so much for doing it. Check out Ant's uh, work on CrossingBroad.com, uh, both covering the Flyers, obviously and doing a lot of Phillies coverage now as well, and yep. also on Snow the Goalie and much more. Thanks for doing this, Ant. You got it. Anytime, Jay. Thanks. There he is, Anthony San Filippo. We thank him for joining us on Bet Parks Presents Stick to Hockey Live. Well, there was a lot in there from D'Angelo to Gaudreau to DeBrinket to Cutter Gauthier to Claude Giroux. We covered it all in this past hour, um, and I hope everybody enjoyed it and uh, got something out of it. I love having Ant on. love talking to Ant. And it's got a lot of old school reporter in them and uh, new school technology. So good combination of the two. And we always love talking to them. So uh, thanks to him for joining us. And uh, thanks to everybody watching. Let me tell you about Bet Parks because Bet Parks, the new app is fantastic. It was great during the playoffs. I mean, I was nailing that thing up and down sideways. Player performances, exact scores, first to score, power play points, live in game betting, same game parlays. It's all there on all the sports for you. So check it out. Download the app and get used to it. Maybe get some action in on uh, the baseball this summer. Start looking at the futures, whether that's in hockey, hoops, football, whatever, college or pro, and get in on the action. Check it out because you're going to find a great experience. It's easy to navigate, easy to use, fast to uh, to get your uh, action in, and faster to win than ever before. So check out the new Bet Parks app. And use the promo code Jason750, Jason750. That'll get you a risk-free bet up to $750. Now, nobody goes as high as $750. That's for new and existing users. Again, Jason750, and that'll get you a risk-free bet up to $750. So make sure you check that out. Uh, Terms and conditions do apply. And download the Bet Parks app. You do need to be over 21 and present in Pennsylvania or New Jersey. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, we'll see what happens over the next uh, 
next couple of days, even a couple of hours at this point. The action's hot and heavy. Free agency's uh, less than a week away. So there's a lot going on in the NHL. Keep an eye out for pop-up emergency episodes as well. And we'll be back next week for another episode of Bet Parks Presents Stick to Hockey Live. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you next time. Appreciate it. Thank you.